0: Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the Darren Aronofsky film, Black Swan. And we are joined by a very special guest, Bila Day, from the Butt Ma, that's my favorite movie podcast, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, my name is Bea Lede, and I am super excited to uh, be working with these two lovely ladies. Um, and I am the host of the But Ma, that's my favorite movie podcast. And I'm just ready for a good time. <laughs> yes,
0: this going to be a roller coaster ride of an episode, only fitting for the film that was such a ride. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us today. All right. So let's start off with an IMDb summary for Black Swan.
2: Sarah. All right. A committed dancer struggles to maintain her sanity after winning the lead role in a production of Swan Lake. All right. And in strategic whimsy experiment
0: tradition, let's start off the episode with our one-sentence summaries for Black Swan. Day, do you want to kick us off?
1: Sure, why not? All right, all right. So this is what I got. Are y'all ready for this? I'm okay, ready. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's an awe-inspiring dark thriller that gives you a raw glimpse into the unfiltered world of ballet and shows how striving for perfection can make the most serene swan queen lose a couple of feathers.
0: Oh, so good. Serene Swan Queen. That just sounds so, Mm -hmm. so good. Well done. Those words together. Thank you.
2: Well done. All right, Sarah, what was your summary? (laughs) Mine is much less elegant than that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mine is, this film takes bird brained to a whole new level. Oh, well played. (laughs) That is great. Well (laughs) played. Okay. Uh, my
0: summary is a decadent depiction of the phrase "we are our own worst enemy," done by a master at work.
1: Yes, I love. Okay, that. so
0: <laughs> what were your initial thoughts of Black Swan? And perhaps, if you if it's interesting to share, um, what had you known about this film before watching it, um and what was your anticipation of what this film would be like before seeing
1: it okay so initial thoughts to be honest i don't have a huge recollection of um seeing any trailers or anything beforehand um but if i could give my thoughts of cuz i did go to the movies to see it when it came out oh, wow so i had that experience and let me tell you this I remember leaving the theater thinking I really wanted to make a great film like this. And I felt super inspired and I was just in awe. And I knew that leaving there, I wanted to create something that would make someone else feel the same way I felt about this movie. So I was just super, super inspired. And I just, I don't know. I just love this movie so, so much
0: that's incredible. I mean, great art is, uh, begets even more, uh, great art and just the inspiration that comes from that. So I love that. And I cannot imagine this in theaters and just the experience that that would be, oh, some of these images on a big screen. The best. (laughs) Sarah, what about you? What were your thoughts of this film or potential anticipations of it beforehand as well?
2: So I I remember when it first came out, I wanted to see the movie, but for some reason I just never did. And so it's kind of been like in the back of my mind, like, oh, I want to watch Black Swan because I just I feel like it was just going to be like right up my alley. Like I was super excited to watch this Um, and I didn't like it, uh, which was utterly shocking for me. (sighs) Um, oh yeah I, okay. I was, it's going to be a
0: real interesting
2: episode yeah right? it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I because like this movie should be one that I love like it has all of the components of something that I would like and so um, Jen knows this I will sometimes get fixated on one little detail mm-hmm. and that will ruin the entire movie and I think that's what happened here I think that I was focused on the wrong thing so I wasn't able to appreciate all of the good things this movie did. Um, So yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion for sure.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that I was hoping someone possibly didn't like it out of you too so then I could be like um let's kind of see you know how this thought process or how this discussion goes um because I'm the person on you know if you did a scale of one to ten how much you like this movie I'm at a hundred so you're at like (laughs) negative 20s yeah
2: I'm probably like a three on the scale (laughs) of one to ten like yeah But again, like, I think I was focused on the wrong thing. So anyway, this should be really interesting. Um, Jen, what did you think of Black Swan? I just have to say, this is like the
0: recipe for some of the best conversations is when we wildly disagree, but we get to talk about it and analyze and pick apart all those things. It's the best. Um, I, I will say that I am very sensitive to images and specifically like horror thriller like all of that gets my uh goosebumps going and um they just there are some images that are like ingrained in my brain and before seeing this film i was very much aware and perhaps primed i don't know by like other people describing this film or just the movie poster itself that this would be quite quite a film and that I would need to just be prepared for it so I actually don't remember the first time that I watched this film it was several years ago I remember making it through like halfway to three quarters of the way and just like oh cringing at so many components of it and I think it helped me really enjoy this film the second time around Um, Because all of that like anticipation and like sweat dripping down my forehead was able to be like removed a little bit. Um, And there's so much that this film does that's so masterful without uh, doing these like very flashy set pieces or, um, you know, tackling these like wildly new things. This film just takes like the classic filmmaking techniques and components and uses them so effectively together um there's some like really interesting things that this film does with like symbolism that typically wouldn't work for me in any other film but for some reason it just works really well and so I had some like thought processes and thinking around that that we can unpack but I'm intrigued to dive into this film a little bit more and curious Sarah what that detail is that you got hung up on Um, so perhaps before we continue talking about this film. For anyone that hasn't seen it yet, let's include a little spoiler alert. Um there's some just like well, the ending itself of this film is worth experiencing uh without any context beforehand the first time around. So we're entering into spoiler territory and uh we all have free reign to talk about any of the the events and components that happen in this film from here on out.
1: Sweet. <laughs> All right, so what I loved most about this movie was the CGI. It was absolutely mind blowing because I do not feel that most of the movies that incorporate CGI into you know their films have the best you know artists that are it it, to me it's it's the blending for me I feel like they're terrible at blending what they're what like is not supposed to be there with something that is if that (laughs) makes sense and the best example I can think of if you wanted to compare Black Swan um, versus a movie so you can know the difference um, because I feel like I'm super good at picking out when I can tell there's CGI on the screen. So in, you know, Black Swan, there's a bunch of, you know, uh, dancing scenes. Okay. Like a professional ballerina dancing. Okay. And in the movie, I, Tanya, you know, Margot Robbie is playing Tanya Harding where she is, uh, ice skating. Now, when the moments where, you know, Margot Robbie is supposed to be ice skating, of course, that's not her actually doing it. So they place her face onto a skater in order to give the illusion that it's Margot Robbie, you know, skating. And then in, you know, Black Swan, we have Natalie Portman, who is, you know, um, playing Nina Sayers, and she is dancing. And there is an actual ballerina who was doing the dancing scenes, which I believe it was maybe about 80 to 90% of the dances were done by that woman. And you cannot tell at any point in the movie that that is not Natalie Portman dancing. It looks like Natalie Portman the whole movie. And so I say all that to say that whoever that CGI special effects artist is, why are they not in more or not working on more movies? (laughs) Like they are, I don't know who did it, but they were masters at what they did. And, and that, and, you know, Black Swan is such a simple movie. It's a, it's about, you know, a, a, a ballet dancer and, you know, all they're simply doing is just adding Natalie Portman's face to someone else. But the way they did it, because there is so much dancing throughout the movie, there's not a moment that I can tell that it looks like Natalie Portman's face is on someone else's body. And that, is genius. And that's not and that's in 2010. We're in now 2021 and some movies can't even master that and I think that's mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And even in that ending scene, some of the like components with the the goosebumps and the feathers like it it's pretty pretty well crafted.
1: Oh my god, genius. <laughs> oh,
0: man. <laughs> that's so funny. I was not thinking about the CGI while watching this, but um now that you pointed out, I'm I'm glad that you did.
2: Yeah, it makes me think of um, the Social Network, um, the the Winkle Vi, that one of the those Winkle they had Vi. to put they had <laughs> to put Army Hammer's face on somebody else's body, and you really can't tell. And so that was also in 2010, I think. So whoever did those two movies in 2010, they really earned uh, their paychecks for that one.
1: I'm gonna need to check that out because you know what, I I didn't know that they had any CGI in the Social Network, so I need to rewatch that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's pretty impressive. It's I mean, you can't tell. It's yeah, it's amazing. I still can't get over Winklevi. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like
0: their last names are Winklevoss and there's they're twins, so there's two of them. And so mm-hmm. Sarah has
2: deemed them the Winklevi. And that's that's great.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> it's just so much more fun than saying the Winklevoss awesome. twins. Oh like... totally. <laughs> why why wouldn't you call them the Winklevi? <laughs> okay. So
0: on the other side of the spectrum, Sarah, tell us, <laughs> tell us your qualms with this film. I am intrigued. Ooh, must know. Okay. <laughs> my,
2: my qualm is that, um, the way that I viewed this was a mentally fragile woman, um, slowly like disintegrating over the course of the movie. And I just don't find that enjoyable. Um, So like my biggest question that I had while watching this film, and maybe you guys have an answer on this, is how old is Nina Sayers as this is going on? Because um, her her room is very, very young. Lots of stuffed animals, lots of pink, very girly. Um, She speaks with a very, very high childlike voice which was kind of creepy for me. And her relationship with her mom was kind of inappropriate for a grown woman. Um, and so like, I'm watching this going like, okay, is Nina supposed to be much younger? And Natalie Portman was just a really, really bad choice for casting? Or is she supposed to be in her like, early to mid 20s like she couldn't be like late 20s because that's when apparently like ballerinas are are out of luck and they're kind of phased out. So she had to have been so if she was like young 20s, um, then like why was why was everything so juvenile? why like what happened to that character to make her as a 20 something year old um, fit in that kind of really really girly, youthful room so like either either way like no matter what her age was it just made me think that there is some underlying condition within her and she is not well and so just to watch her um, who is already mentally ill in some regard just further descend into um, I don't know unhealthiness was just painful for me so I think again that was me like focusing on the wrong thing the whole time cuz every scene that Natalie Portman was in I wasn't thinking, "Oh my gosh, she's doing a great job." I was going, "How old is Nina supposed to be?" cuz that's <laughs> going to change how I'm reading this whole scene.
1: Okay, I think I may have a uh, maybe a, a perspective I can add to your question.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so the dynamic between Nina and her mother is weird. Um, like you said, I think that was the best way to explain it. Kind of inappropriate uh, because we are to assume that she's a grown woman by physically the way she looks. But because of her voice, her frame, and just the way she um, interacts with people, it's very childlike. And what I think is going on with her is that she is of age, right? She She's physically, physically a grown looking woman. But I think because of, because like it's mentioned in the movie, how her mom was a ballerina at Mm -hmm. a point in her life before she had Nina. So it became, I don't even know what you would call this, but you know how like, well, it was the mom trying to live her dream through her daughter. And so Mm -hmm. I feel that she was instilling in her daughter the art of dance and being perfect and being so good at it that Nina didn't get time to be able to develop other parts of her um, into maturity as as far as having relationships, like having a boyfriend or having friends and kind of learning through them and their experiences and learning how to be an, an adult and do things for herself. Because one, we she lives with her mom and her mom, is in control of everything pretty much that she does. It, you know, There's no insinuation that you know Nina pays a bill or she has a part-time job or that she has a boyfriend. The only thing we're getting from Nina is that she does dance, she lives with her mom and she pretty much answers to her mom about everything. Her mom does everything for her. And I think it was her mom's way of like, I want you to focus on dancing so much because that's what I wanted to do. And so what she was actually doing was, You know, what she's thinking is she's giving her something to do, something to, um, I guess, like motivate her and keep her going. Um, But at the same time, she was hindering all of her other aspects of what it takes to become an adult. And I think that's why we have the room with all the stuffed animals. That's why the room is pink. That's why it looks like a kid, because her mom kind of kept her in that mind frame where she didn't have an opportunity to really grow up outside of dancing. It was like, you're going to dance and that's it. And everything that entails being a ballerina. So staying in shape, focusing on your craft. She didn't go out with friends and family. She didn't go out or other family members if there are. um, She didn't have time to interact at with her friends or go to the club. So, and, and you know, there's a lot of people who are sheltered and uh, um there's certain people who Like people in the music industry Where their parents you know threw them Into you know that type of industry And they didn't have a chance To really grow up I think a good example And probably controversial example Would be like Michael Jackson okay We all know what he went through what he was Like and it was because his parents want him Wanted him to focus on That one thing he didn't get to develop in other areas Except being great at music And hers was being great at dance That she didn't get to do anything else to really mature does that make sense (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah that does make sense and I I like that explanation um I just wish that the story had handled that better um I think the way that I interpreted it uh which is probably the um I don't know the less generous way of seeing it is that um film was written and directed by men and so I saw that as the not subtle way of showing she is pure she is innocent and now we're going to corrupt her and so like I after the movie was over I kind of went through this like mental exercise of like how how would I as a woman have written this movie instead and how would I have maybe more subtly shown um how nina was so isolated or you know not exposed to the things of this world instead of making it so juvenile and childlike because she kind of went from like little kid to like party girl (laughs) in like zero to 60 you know um so i was just wondering like is there a more subtle way a more nuanced way of maybe telling this story um without having to go from little girl to party girl in the process.
1: I think, I, you know what, I think that's a good point. Uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Because I, I guess I just automatically was able to read into it. But mm-hmm. not everyone is able to look at it like that and dissect it and say, oh, well, then that's the reason why. And you are right. I'm just going off of how I just like the surroundings and their dynamic together. And that's how I concluded it. But that doesn't mean that's for for sure, that's not the for sure answer of what's going on. So I do agree with you that um, they he sh- he should have probably explained that in the story for it to actually make sense. So you know, I really like that point. That's interesting.
0: That's really fascinating. Your point about this being created by like a male director, because a lot of the the reviews and conversations about this film have like praised it for being a female focused story and showing all these different types of um, what it means to be female um, so it's it's fascinating to hear your thoughts and perspectives on the way that that maybe could have been done with even even more nuance or or detail and um, a little bit more fully potentially like what would this film have been like had it been directed by a female director um, and I, I I too read a lot of the same like mother's oppression and kind of like a strict discipline being the reason for Nina being so stunted. And I think I I also felt like this was almost like a fairy tale like is the wrong word, but almost is, is in this realm um, and a story that's being told a little bit outside of reality. And so this like dramatic shift that she has from being like this young, innocent, Girl in the light pink and white bedroom to her transformation into the black swan, like it warranted that big of a dramatic um, change and transformation in her because the story to me was like almost fairy tale esque um, or like mystical in a way.
1: Well, I do want to add this. Um, another thing that I did love about this film was the fact that basically. This movie was a live-action version of the ballet production of Swan Lake. And the reason why I concluded that is because on the greatest site ever, IMDb, they actually have next to the actors' characters' names, the name of characters in the production.
0: Mm So I noticed that, yeah. This is
1: technically a live action version of that and to me I have much respect for this film because he took something like a ballet production and gave it real life characters so I guess maybe that's why it's so with her being childlike and stuff and then the big you know, um, transformation into the black swan. It it had to, ha- maybe for, in his perspective, it had to happen that way for it to work. So we have to have this person who is childlike, who's almost kind of immature um, in order to turn into this black swan. I think it was almost like a it, it was a, it was a version almost of like the classic, like the ugly duckling turning into the beautiful swan. But like we have the, um meek <laughs> human who turns into the insane swan type of thing. Um, so I guess maybe like a darker version of that tale, you know, if you could say. So I, I think just that alone was very unique and creative that he took that idea of that production and then turned them into live people with emotions and thoughts and feelings. Um so I think that's why um Jennifer, you were getting that mystical vibe because it was a play off of that production.
0: Yes, totally. And the soundtrack of this film is, like, very much inspired by Tchaikovsky's um, score for the ballet, and, mm. like, that contributes to this feeling of, oh, I'm watching an epic story unfold, and it's, it's no longer grounded reality. Like, we have gone to some other
2: place entirely. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, for me, the score was by far the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely love how they were able to take the melodic themes from Swan Lake and incorporate it into the score. So it would just seamlessly flow into, you know, whatever scene um, of the production was coming next. So for me, I... For me, the score was the MVP of the whole thing, which I know is the very very much minority opinion but i I loved the score
1: and um I just wanted to say um just kind of you know going into a little bit more of what I do love about this film um i I thought personally the buildup of it was awesome I felt like it had really good pacing um because I felt like from like when we're getting to know her in the beginning, right? Um, you know, you have the underdog and you see that they're passionate about something and that they're, they're pursuing something that they really love. And um, they they're just having a hard time. Like there's just something within them that's just not kind of just breaking free and just letting go of things because, you know, Nina's thing was she wanted to be perfect. And so I felt like, the pacing was good and the buildup was positioned perfectly. Cause I felt like towards the end, once she was transforming into a more confident person that I've, I felt like I was there. Like I felt like I was transforming with her. And I just, I don't know. I just thought, I thought it was very perfect. And um, yeah, I,
0: I think what was also really interesting um, Clear point around the way this film is paced and how it builds slowly layer upon layer on itself. And I, I don't think I realized this the first time watching this film, but very much so the second time around is a lot of the opening scenes, for example, showcase a lot of like close ups of her feet and like the point shoes and the training that her and the other dancers go through. Mm-hmm. And it kind of is, is, showing that there is already this um, dedication and sacrifice and pain, self-inflicted pain that these artists are putting upon themselves to just be great at their craft. And it kind of makes this line between what's just dedication to your craft versus what is now insanity uh, way more blurry by including some of those early scenes, because later when she starts to become more and more extreme and what she's willing to do and how much pain she, she self-inflicts and, um, kind of spirals down into in order to finally become the black swan. It has so many traces in what she and all of the other dancers are already doing. Just the amount of like physical altering that they're doing to their bodies to perform. Um, you know, like we would, typically praise that as um, discipline and dedication and just how blurry that line is to becoming like no longer okay and what we're now deeming insane is is a pretty um, gray area. And so it was interesting to see the way he like s- establishes those themes and like images in our mind and then later builds on them and like kind of makes them far more complex and asks us more questions of them um later on in some of the images that he uses.
1: Well, yeah, I I love I I think you worded that very eloquently. I I really loved what you just said. Um and then speaking of um you were saying when we got to see um like a first, you know, front row seat into them actually preparing and training. Um there was actually some particular scenes that I really liked. Um and like you said when they did the close up of the shoe, so there was Um, The one scene where she's um, practicing in front of the mirror and she was doing the, I want to say correctly, (laughs) but it's like the in ponant or pont in pont. I think that's it in pont. That's what they call it when they are standing up on their tippy toes um, or Mm. the, you know, front of their shoe. And the way we see the spin and then, you know, she jumps up on the front of her shoe. Like, I thought that was very beautifully done. Um, And then I also liked the shots where it almost, it was like ultra, it it was like ultra realistic where she was, there was one scene where uh, one of the instructors is, you know, um, practicing with her. And it was, it didn't feel like it was scripted. It was almost like we were watching a documentary almost. um, Like when she was moving her arms and she's like, yeah, do it like this, let go. And the way they were talking, it was like, it wasn't even an acting scene. Like we were really watching a a ballet dancer you know in her moment of just training in the studio and then there was another scene where um the I think you would call the physical therapist was like digging into her ribs and she was telling her like oh your ribs are contracting and it was just the way they were talking it didn't even seem like an acting scene and I thought that was very brilliant because we expect when we see movies we're gonna always expect acting even though we know they're playing characters they're doing a great job everything looks good everyone's sounding good no one sounds like they're acting but we know they're acting and he had just moments in those which I don't think you get those in uh, movies a lot even though if you watch movies even though if you watch movies about musicians or um, athletes we don't get those raw moments and so I thought that was cool how he almost kind of implemented that into an actual film
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, those moments were, were great. And I think like, for me, I, I wanted more of those moments. Like, I'm very much that person, like, I want to see behind the scenes, I want to understand how these things work. So like that scene that you mentioned, where she was with that, the the older dancer, and they were going about their arms, like, Mm -hmm. even the cut of that older dancers, um, shirt like you could see her back so even as she moved you could see how like her shoulder blades were moving and so like to me like that was so interesting just like the mechanics of everything that they were doing and so like i personally i wanted more of that like i wanted like what she was doing and like the the actual art to be the thing that was kind of like driving her past her limit rather than like manipulation and like rumors and all of these other things kind of driving her crazy like I wanted it to be you know her craft and like her pushing herself to the limits which I know that she did but man I just I wanted more of those like moments of them dancing and her actually pursuing perfection in Um, the theater instead of outside of the theater. So maybe I just came into the movie with like a completely wrong expectation of what I was getting into. But yeah, those like intimate moments of them dancing and like working out their craft were just so satisfying.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. I love that you said that. And um, uh, what I was gonna say is that um, I think because I didn't have a real I don't remember having a perception of seeing like any trailers or anything of the movie so I think that's why I came in and just loved it cuz I know when you see a trailer and stuff you either you know you either are interested in it maybe you don't have thoughts about it or you're just like uh-uh I don't want to see that and so I think I just went in with no you know reveal of what was going to happen in this movie and I think that's why I probably got the reaction I did
0: yeah, that's so true. It it is making me think about like Sarah. I, I remember when we were chatting about this. I think we were talking about this film in the context of like a uh, dancer who is who is wanting who is first wildly talented and wanting mm-hmm. to pursue her craft to the utmost capability that she could, but then it's driven yeah. insane. And actually, if we like really unpack what happens in the film and Nina's downfall, there are the all the subplots her uh, relationship with her mother, her relationship with Thomas Leroy, the director, um, her worry about like what other people are saying, her threat of being replaced. Like those are all the things that drive her uh, to the point of insanity versus Sarah, maybe what you had maybe expected, which was that it was just her Mm -hmm. desire to be the best in her craft. And um, those are very different like, forcing functions for her downfall one's like internal the other is like all these external planets orbiting around her and uh, it makes for a different story and a different dynamic to the story
2: yeah and i think like i just didn't care about any of the other plots really i i was like why are we spending so much time with her mom like why are we spending so much time with mila kunis like what is going on um so i i think the the type of movie that I wanted this to be is very different from what we actually got. And I also think that um, I didn't see Nina as this person who was great at her craft. Like I, she was a good dancer, obviously, but it wasn't like, oh, she's this like genius. She's so good. She's clearly like head and shoulders above everybody else. It was like, it could have been any of those dancers, but he chose her for some reason. We don't know why, but he just chose her. So I think I also struggled with that as well, because we could have swapped her out for any of the other dancers probably, um, because they were just as qualified as her. Um, so I, gosh, I just, I really struggled with Nina. And it's really hard when she is the main protagonist and she's the one that you're supposed to like root for and be so invested in. And I just, I didn't, I wasn't interested in her. I didn't care about her. <laughs> so, oh man, <laughs> I I just didn't watch this movie correctly is pretty much what it comes out to. <laughs> no,
0: but it's, it's so interesting because the films that I, I've definitely experienced that thing, same thing with, and it's always expectations that were just like misaligned. Like what I thought the movie was going to be was not mm-hmm. what the movie was. And you're yeah. just like, wait, I was, I was prepared for and primed for this story and I got something different. Um, so I, I definitely hear you. I've, I've had that experience too.
1: Yeah. I was going to say one, I love having this conversation with someone who has an opposite um, perspective of me of this movie, because I think what you're saying, um, Sarah, is super interesting because I, now that, you know, what you said, Look like me kind of going through the movie in my head, there was always moments of, I believe his name was Thomas, um, who was, I guess, the director of the studio. I don't know exactly what you would call him, but um, he would say that she was a great dancer, but we never saw her do anything special. And I think that is a great... Point of you know what you said because movies are supposed to be about showing and theater is supposed to be uh telling so what you hear in theater versus you know in film you're sp- it's a visual medium and so that's a good point I think he could have used moments to wow us in what Nina was doing so that we did have a bigger appreciation or would root for her more because knew how good she was. And I know the main thing with her is that yes, Thomas said that she was good. But the thing that they were um, harping on was the fact that she just couldn't let go. She was stiff. And the thing is, is if you're stiff, does that make you the greatest dancer? So I totally get what you're saying about that.
0: Which I also feel like um, this story to me focuses on less on her talent anyway. And it's, it's like about the, this desperation that she has to be great. And like, like you mentioned, Sarah, you probably could have swapped her out with the girl who uh, was kind of her like initial competition at the beginning, who thought that she was going to be the Swan Queen. And she probably would have potentially been tempted and fallen into the same downward spiral that Nina does the same way that Beth also fell into this like paranoia and desire to continue to like keep her place at the top. And like, you see how that unfolds for her. Um, So like this film potentially is kind of about like this, the cycles and the way that that continues to perpetuate these like unhealthy, desperate desires for greatness um, that ultimately will one, leave us unfulfilled and two are like so costly. And like, I I have no doubt that Thomas Leroy is going to find and pick the next girl that is so desperate to be the best and like manipulate her. And she may find herself in the same downward spiral as well. So this film is like, almost to me not about the individual like spark of genius or talent that comes around once in a lifetime, but it's just like systemic uh, culture of like sacrificial insanity and downward spiral that
2: occurs. Yeah. I think that's really good. And I, I think that the film probably could have done a little bit more Um to make that clear and show the different cycles. And I think that's what it was trying to do. Um, For me, it wasn't effective. Instead, it felt like um, they were just trying to add other characters just to break up the story instead of actually like making that point. But I think like, especially with her mom, like she stopped dancing because she had Nina. And then like you referenced Beth, who in my opinion was my favorite character. I wanted to know more about her. So, but I, I think they could have done maybe a little bit more with those actresses, especially like the actresses that they got are phenomenal. So I just wish that we would have had maybe a little bit more screen time with them and learning their stories and how they incorporate with Nina. And they could have maybe been a little bit clearer foreshadowing of this is where she's heading toward instead of like, oh, yeah, there's Winona Ryder again. Hi, how are you? Like. I don't know. I feel like it could have maybe integrated a little bit better, but that could also just be me.
0: Yeah, that's fair. They kind of like give her little moments at the beginning of the film. And then she, you know, we revisit that subplot again in the like final climactic scene in the hospital, Um, but potentially weaving that together a little bit better. And also maybe giving, I don't know if this would have worked or not, but Lily seems super lax and just chill mm-hmm. the whole yeah. movie like what is her desire like does she desperately want to be the the swan queen too my guess is yes but um she's so chill that i'm like almost like where's that like same desperation or fire or if like they wanted to drive home that point they would have planted like little moments of that in her um but i could also see that she needed to be that like really cool uh easygoing like like effortless um, picture for Nina as a contrast. So I don't know if that would have worked either.
1: So I was thinking that possibly maybe the reason why everyone's character kind of maybe doesn't make sense or maybe doesn't fit in as well is because we're getting their personality from Nina's perspective. And we already know that Nina is deteriorating so since we're looking at it from her lens we're getting her mom who's like this high-strung you know woman who's like basically babying her because that's what she feels like to Mm -hmm. her mom like she's a baby and then we have um Mila's character I can't think of what her character's name was but um Lily Lily yes Lily is so carefree and you know she's not so uptight like Nina and that's what Nina desires is you know being so free because everyone wants to be around Lily and no one really wants to be around her or is friends with her like that Um, and then we get how aggressive that Thomas is towards her and just the things that he asks her makes us feel uncomfortable because it makes her feel uncomfortable Um, and so I think that's why we're getting just this kind of black and white version or maybe stereotypical versions of each person is because we're seeing it from how she feels instead of seeing them for who they really are, if that makes sense.
2: Mm, No, I think that's really good that she's like a really unreliable narrator. And so what we're seeing is not what actually happened. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: That's true. And it's confirmed by all the things that unfold in the second half of the film. Um, yeah like further confirming the fact that we cannot what we see through her lens potentially cannot be trusted
1: yes that is very true
0: <laughs> so one of the things that i thought was interesting about this film is i think we had t- touched on this earlier but like the the comparisons to the blocks the swan like story which typically would like feel really cheesy and like, um, very like overly obvious to me, but for some reason it really worked well for me. Um, and there's just some like interesting meta components of those parallels that are made, like, especially in, if we think about the Swan King and both the, um, the white, the white Swan Queen and the Black Swan are like fighting for the attention of the Swan King. And, Um, in this case, it's the attention of potentially the audience or the director, but, um, I was thinking about this, like if we, if we zoom out another like 10,000 feet, like we, as the viewers are, have been, and have rewarded Natalie Portman for her performance and, um, just how much she dedicated to this, like the months of ballet training and like, physically changing her body uh, to play this part and to play this role. And she's, I believe she won the um, Oscar and the Golden Globe for best actress for this. Um, I was reading about like, she was eating a diet of like just carrots and almonds to prepare for this role. And like the meta point of like how much Natalie Portman as the actress has also sacrificed to achieve quote unquote, greatness um, in acting in this role. was really interesting to just like play out in my mind and how much there are other actors who have dedicated themselves so fully to the point where they have harmed themselves, taken their own lives for these roles um, that are just really for like us as the viewers and the audience uh, sitting in the movie theater or in front of our laptops to uh, partake in this like entertainment experience. And so there's just some like, really interesting layers that I think unfold and just the symbolism and metaphors in this film. I think the fact that they are so layered and not just like one dimensional and very obvious make them work really well for me, which typically in another film, I think, uh, perhaps in the hands of another director that isn't as skillful uh, would have felt really cheesy and like lame to me.
1: Yeah. um, To kind of, you know, uh, piggyback on what you were saying about how you read how she, you know, altered her diet and stuff for this role. Her childlike voice, you know, that we've mentioned in, in this podcast so far, or this episode, um, she actually her voice that she had in this movie was her it was close to her natural voice. Um, because I actually remember reading that when she would audition for roles, people thought that she sounded too childlike. And so she had to go through a sort of training to put on a more mature voice because that's naturally how she sounded. So I think in this movie, she was really using her own voice. And that's actually uh, what the director loved about her was the sound of her voice. And so she spent so many years trying to you know, sound more mature, sound more like, I guess, like you say, like a woman. And um, in this movie, she had to revert back to that. And so I think with the dieting and um, the intense training she had to do for, I believe maybe, I, I think it was a short amount of time and having to, you know, go back to her voice that people would almost condemn her for having. I think to me, that's what made her performance so brilliant because In my opinion, I have not seen another Natalie Portman movie that I thought, oh my God, this was great. To me, this is just kind of like the staple of her career. Um, So like you said, I think all of those are great components into how she was able to develop her character and how it just, it all worked.
2: And I think this conversation about like what um, creatives or what performers are willing to do for an audience, like it reminds me of um, a lot of the conversation that Jen, you and I had about, um, Birdman and how, you know, the, that whole movie is about, you know, these actors like pushing themselves as far as they can. And then like, it ends with, um, him shooting off his nose, sorry, spoilers for Birdman. Um, and everybody heralds it as this like, Whoa, that was amazing. It took the art form to a whole new level in all of this. And so I think it's just another commentary on, you know, how we view entertainment and how we, you know, respond to um, various works of art. And so I think it's it's interesting to think about what these these actors and, you know, various creatives are willing to put themselves through um, in order to entertain us and um, what the standards are in Hollywood. Because even when, um, when they were filming Black Swan, like they didn't have enough money for like medics at certain points so like natalie portman had to give up her trailer so that they could have a medic on site to you know help her because she kept getting hurt so like these these weird things like what is the standard and and what these people are willing to sacrifice to make something that we can be entertained by is just it's really really interesting and to try and think of it not only through a creative lens but also an ethical lens is kind of an interesting, interesting way to look at this movie.
1: And I do want to bring up another point. Um, I do feel that we get um, a lot of movies that talk about the broken or like the mentally unstable artists, as far as it goes with being a musician working in the film industry we get a lot of that so um we we get that perspective we understand it and we know that you know a lot of a lot of time with genius comes insanity most of the time so I felt this movie had a very unique take that someone as simple as a ballerina because people can look at Ballet as boring and I I Loved in the movie that they kind of pointed That out well not kind of they did Um for a little bit That uh, The two guys when they were Um at the club And how you know She was kind of she she's so excited About her craft and you know she brings It up to them what she does and they're like oh Okay like but they're They're mimicking her they're not really Interested in it and she's like oh yeah I can comp you some tickets it's like it's like her saying, I can give you tickets to a Lakers game, you know, floor seats. But of course (laughs) to them, they're not really interested. Mm -hmm. And that was one, of that was another takeaway I had from this film is that this movie could have been so mundane because of the sport of ballet. No one's, no one's not, you don't cheer there. There's not, you know, a rise you get from the audience. Like you're not feeding off the audience or anything like that. And so something as simple as that, I felt the director and the actors they they made you want to watch it they made they made it captivating as if you were watching you know a baseball game and you're trying to see if you know he hit the ball out the park and if he's going to make it to that base before someone get like to me it kept me drawn in and so I thought it was a very interesting take that not only can musicians go off the deep end or Uh, actors or actresses but we also have ballet dancers who are crazy about their craft as well so i thought that was a very cool and unique way um that they had uh what what they incorporated in this film
0: that's so true it reminds me of the 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 queen's gambit that netflix show about chess and somehow that show was able to make chess an absolutely thrilling experience which it normally you know, to, to people who don't play, it's like you sit for f- like three hours and with pieces around on a board. But the level of like tension and the complexity and like just the the essence of it that it was able to capture and communicate through visual medium is is pretty fascinating. Um, I'm intrigued to know what uh, people that are professional ballet dancers and are, that are in that community. I'm I'm intrigued to know how they feel about these films. Um, Every time I watch a film that's about like a specific topic or a craft or a type of like people group, it's I, I wish that I could go talk to people from that, that community and, and just pick their brains on how they felt about it. Um, according to Darren Aronofsky in the dancers and whatnot that he's connected with, they've all been very excited that there is finally a film that depicts the realities of their world. Uh, but he mentioned in a couple interviews, like just, asking ballet companies if he could just like observe or just like watch and because he wanted to make a movie about them he's like so many of them were just not interested like they were so passionate and like knee deep in their ballet world like they were not they were not interested at all or just like didn't really think much of it whereas he's saying like in other um, industries or whatnot like people are usually so excited that there's going to be a movie made about it and so they're very welcoming for you to come and observe them and he was like the ballet dancers were just caught up in their world. They, they, they could not care less about it. But um, yeah, I'm intrigued to know how the ballet community feels about this film um, because I am not from that community at all and I don't know very many people that are. And so how did they perceive this? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I read an article um, this morning and the reviews were like really mixed in this one article sampling a few different ballet dancers. And some of them were like, no, that's just like an over-dramatization of what's going on. Others were like, just stop, like we don't like that. And then like others were were grateful for a film like this just to kind of like shed light, even though it didn't match up with their experience. So I think also kind of in this conversation is the whole like Me Too movement and that has also affected um dance and so there have been you know departures from the dance world of some abusive um artistic directors like is shown in black swan so i think even watching this movie 10 years later now that we're you know in the me too movement and things are slowly starting to change even in the ballet world Is kind of interesting because, you know, even though female representation um, at like the um, choreography and like directing level still isn't where it should be for ballet, it's far greater than it used to be a decade ago. So it'll be interesting to maybe see how Black Swan continues to age as the ballet world continues to change in the coming years and decades.
0: That is so true. I love that you brought that up. Um, it reminds me of that like U.S. Olympic um, gymnastics mm-hmm. scandal that happened. And it's it actually fits really well with the themes of this film, which is like, this is Nina's whole life. And if things like the assault that happens to her from her director in this film happens in reality, like, her, she's given up and sacrificed so much, and it's so much more... Difficult for her to speak up and risk her career or risk her standing in this this whole world when she's given so much to this uh, craft. And it was the same thing that happened with the US Olympics gymnastics team. And so those two themes actually intertwine really well. We see how much she is desperate and desires to be great in this, and like is likely a lot more difficult for her to speak up and put that all on the line and at risk if it goes haywire.
2: Yeah. And another thought that I had like while watching was like, I wonder how this film would look if, um, maybe the dance world had been a little bit more inviting to the production team. Um, because it is like a really closed off, like specialized elite world of dance. Um, but I did wonder like what would this film look like? And I will never know. But like, what would the story look like if it was um, told through the eyes of a dancer instead of a of instead of a filmmaker? If that makes sense, um, because I feel like even the the choreography, the movement, some of the cinematography might look different if it was viewed through a dancing lens instead of a directing lens granted I don't know that there is any director out there who is also like a pro ballet dancer but it was just kind of like (laughs) an interesting mental exercise for me to go through like how would those movements look differently or be captured differently if it was through a ballet lens instead of like a you know horror film lens
1: I think that would happen if a ballet dancer retired and decided to become a filmmaker, make a movie about, you know, her life through or her career of being a ballet dancer. Then that would probably work super well. So
2: we just got to find one of those. And uh, then... They'll make a movie that I'll probably really enjoy about the ballet. Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll be actually about the craft and the talent. Yes. and Yes. <laughs> which is what you're looking for, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably like the only one. But whatever. <laughs> a movie for one. Let's do it.
1: No, I would, I would love to see a movie um, where it was mostly about the craft and just their everyday life and what they go through. Of course, because ballet is not considered the most interesting, I I want to call it sport, but I know it's not a sport, but it's not the most interesting career. And um, so they would have to make the plot interesting and, and to just kind of, um, go off of that maybe that's why they didn't want to focus so much on what they actually did because they probably didn't think people would be as interested in it um versus just adding all these other characters that are supposed to be significant to you know her downfall so downfall so I think they wanted to just make it a lot interesting adding just other elements other than what they actually do
0: Mm
2: -hmm. yep gotta add some like dramatic tension in there for sure
0: (laughs) yeah we come back to the like art versus commerce and uh needing this film to make money which means the mass appeal and all the dramatic components added in characters all right any last things that you wanted to mention
2: shout out talk about for black swan before we wrap up uh, I would like to give two shout outs. Um, the the moment where she is dancing as the Black Swan and like her her um, like her arms are covered in feathers, But then we see like the wide shot of her in her pose. And you can clearly see it's her regular arms. but then the shadow behind her um shows the feathers. Um, I thought that that was absolutely beautiful, wonderful moment. Um. And then there's also a moment early in the film where Nina is in um, her apartment and she's in her mom's room for some reason. And all of her mom's art is on the wall and there is a one piece um, it's kind of like in like the bottom left-hand corner of, of the screen and the eyes of that artwork move and yes. it's kind of before like everything gets super crazy. So I just loved that little moment of like, hey, something's about to go really, really wrong. Like this is this is kind of a surreal film. Um, I loved that little tiny taste of what was to come.
1: Um, I guess my little shout out is I mean, I love the ending not saying it in the bad way, like the the one thing I loved about this movie was the credits, but um, the one thing I did love at the end was the transformation because I felt like it was such a big payoff. And I do understand, you know, watching her throughout the film, going through this, you know, having this mental breakdown, you know, that's not the best thing to watch. It's entertaining, you know, because it's a movie, but it's not the best thing to watch. And I, I just felt the ending had such a great payoff and there was the there was cause it I felt like at the end it had um it went through steps of her transformation when she was finally going to turn into the swan. And the first moment that we see her like like something went off, a light bulb went off was when, you know, her mom uh was or she was asleep. And she woke up, and her mom was like, "Oh, go back to sleep." Because she's like, "Oh, what's what time it is?" Because she knows she's supposed to be having a show, and um, it's whenever she gets out of bed, and her mom tries to like, you know, tell her like, "Oh no, don't go. You need rest." And she, um, I don't know if she'd already slammed the door in her mom's face or whatever, but she just had that moment. I, I can't remember the exact line right now, but she was basically saying she ends up saying, "I'm the Swan Queen," and it was just. I felt it in her voice, like this whole time we're getting this childlike person, and when she finally like develops into herself, um, I just thought that was amazing, and I get chills when she does that line because it was just so great. And then the moment once she's um, you know already gotten dressed and stuff, and she goes out as the black swan, and after she does so great, and you know I guess that first or whatever act that was and then she goes backstage and she like kisses Thomas and then after that she she does this thing where um the moment where you can start seeing the I guess the goosebumps or whatever they were yeah when that starts happening and she's like getting into herself and it's weird because I know she's supposed to be like at the brink of insanity at this point but it was a beautiful looking insanity like the way it visually looked was gorgeous like she didn't look like crazy she looked like she was a confident beautiful woman that that was self-assured and knew who she finally was and if we didn't see her meek you know um troubled self before or meek, you know, uh self where she did, didn't feel so confident. If we would have saw her at the moment as the black swan, we wouldn't have second guessed that she never felt confident about herself. And so I just those moments towards the end and um like what um sarah said about how when she actually turned into the swan that visual of her the wings on the you know shadow but we see that she is just her normal person but that she's finally transformed was so so beautiful and i just felt like it paid off so much
0: yeah it's like this weird catharsis at the end but also this incredible tragedy. Uh, My last little shout out kind of builds on what you're saying, Bila Day, which is the, in the last, very, very last scene when it fades to white, the audience applause continues to last for several seconds longer than I was anticipating. Like I thought they would fade the audience um, audio uh, in conjunction and in parallel with that um, fade to white. But we still hear that audience applause and we sit in it for like a long several seconds. And I love that little detail because it really gives us the time to, one, process what the heck just happened the last like 20 minutes of the film. But two, just like all those questions begin to like wash over in our brain. Like she has achieved what she was looking for. Was it worth it? What was all that she had to sacrifice to get there, and like at the cost of what and for whom like all of those questions are able to just like finally give us time to process through them and so I appreciated that they just they left that audio in there for several long seconds, and it was that little detail was so good.
2: I also just love that it fade to white instead of mm-hmm. fading to black i I yes. love that little detail because it's all about her becoming the black swan. So you would think like, oh, fade to black. That makes sense. It's traditional. But nope, they t- decided to fade to white, which was such a nice little touch. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love that. that. That was really beautiful. And I almost want to say maybe that was metaphoric that even though she got to her brinking point, that she was still that same meek like, innocent, pure girl. Like, even though mm. you have the that moment mm. of break, that's who she truly was. Mm.
2: Yeah. I and, like that reading. I also think that that could also play into what you were talking about with her being an unreliable narrator because her last thing is it was perfect and white typically symbolizes perfection. So I think that even, you know, plays into that as well, that she is like, nope, it was perfect, fade to white.
1: I agree with that. I love that. <laughs> All right.
0: Shall we wrap up?
1: We shall.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of the film Black Swan. You can find it available to stream on various platforms, um, and you can rent as well. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Wings Experiment. And a big, big shout out to Day for joining us. It was so wonderful having you on and just getting to talk about and unpack this film together. So where can folks find more of your work, connect with you, um, get to hang out with you more online?
1: All right, so I am on three social uh platforms social media platforms um i'm on instagram facebook and twitter Um, pretty much it's like the same name but it's a slightly different variation um but if you put in butt Maw," that's my favorite movie you will be able to find me on any of the platforms even if you google it it's gonna show up because i'm the only one that got the name (laughs)
0: Love it. Awesome. And we will include some of the links to those in the show notes if you want to follow more of Day. Awesome. Well, this podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your days. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review, letting us know your thoughts about Black Swan and our discussion today. You can connect with us more on Instagram at Strategic whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at strategic Whimsy, or you can always email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film Nomadland, which has gotten so much buzz and lots of critical acclaim. So we are excited to dive into that next. We hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll see you soon, and we hope that you all are taking care of yourselves well.